Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hello, hockey world. Today is Wednesday, May the 4th, be with you 2016. I'm Jillian Fisher. I am Jedi Daniel M. Petru. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Uh, Eklund is taking care of his son, Owen. He will be back tomorrow to discuss the Washington-Pittsburgh uh, game and any other things that are going on in the NHL. Uh, we have three games to talk about from last night, all pretty interesting. No, two games. Two games. <laughs> no, we're starting with that one, Dan. No, two games. Nope. Believe me, we are. Uh, because that was the most interesting. Get out your tissues. Yeah, that was the most interesting one, though, Dan. That was it. It was. Sorry. That's all right. I'm all right. Unfortunately, uh, the New York Islanders uh, lost a 4-3 lead late in the third period on a tying goal by Nikita Kucherov, and lose 5-4 in overtime to the Tampa Bay Lightning on a Brian Boyle goal, uh, making it even worse. At right before the goal, Brian Boyle laid out Thomas Hickey who had laid out Jonathan Drouin early in the game. Um, first, let's just talk about the game, then we'll talk about the hits. Um, Russ, I thought that Tampa Bay, to sort of get the momentum in this series, I mean, they, they lost game one. The Islanders jumped out on top, and I think the second half of the game, Tampa Bay responded. Then they win game two. Now, I'm not saying that the, the series is over with, because it's not, no. but now I think Tampa Bay... You know, at some it has a has a bit of control in the series, even though there was a very close game last night. Yeah, I think momentum changes from game to game. I'm not even going to say that, but I I was happy with the way, you know, everybody wants to use the the grit word and everything else. I think Tampa showed a bit more of that. That may be the first time in Brian Boyle's career he's shown grit. Uh, I think they did a few things right. I still am not thrilled with the way Ben Bishop's playing. I thought. While that was a great shot by Cal Clutterbuck, I thought it was totally stoppable considering it was over his glove hand and you knew where it was going. Guy's six foot seven. I mean, I just was shocked that that, that went in. But all that said, this is this is a close razor's edge series. But yeah, I guess Tampa's got a little bit of an edge. Yeah, he got caught deep in the net. I mean, that pass that pass went off Zizekas' skates it did. right to Clutterbuck, and he got caught deep in the net. I don't think there was any way he thought the puck was ending up uh, in the slot. Um Dan, you know, obviously you know, covering the Islanders, you have a different perspective here. I mean, first, no. Look, uh, I, I, well, go ahead. Well, I would say I told everyone that this game, this series was going to be two-two going back to Tampa, and I still feel that way. Uh, I still think it's a coin flip series. I think the Islanders might have played their best game, complete game in the entire playoffs last night. They did a lot of things right last night. Bishop was great in the first period. He wasn't great the rest of the game, but he was great in the first period. Uh, I thought Grice was great, too. I, if you can have a great goaltending matchup in a 5-4 game, they had that last night. It was a The game was a little bit too wide open. The Islanders need to play better in their own end, and uh, they need to t- the spacing between the defensemen and the forwards if it was not good in their own end. The D-zone coverage was not great, uh, most notably on the, uh, the game-tying goal by Kucherov, but we'll get into that later. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the Islanders did a lot of things right last night, so I don't think they should freak out yet. Like, if you lose game four, then you freak out. Are but, fans uh, blaming Grice, though? Because I saw you sort of no. defending Twitter. Well, yeah, because there's just a few idiots. And like, if, you, if you think Grice is the problem, just unfollow me. It's Dan Dan Noodle 78 because you're an idiot. <laughs> um, or, you know, follow, you know. or follow, you know. Or, or follow, yes, yes. I like to thank Eklund for giving me a shout-out. I got like 75 new Twitter followers yesterday. But regardless, regardless um, it's not about me. Um, the, uh, the Islanders – Are you the Islanders about still, Strong being scratched, though? Because I feel like he's really fallen in favor. Now, look, just I think they, cool, but he, he's really losing – rapidly his place on that team. Well, I don't understand. I, I have no problem. I Well, I didn't want Josh Bailey in the lineup because he had been so bad over the course of a, a round and a half. Um, but, okay, if he's going to come back in, maybe he plays over Bernier. Maybe he plays over Brock Nelson. Ryan Strom's been okay. Uh, he hasn't been great, but he has four points in six games. He's a plus player in his course. He's a positive. There's not many Islander forwards you can tell say about. You can say that, too. 
So uh, moving forward, I would absolutely bring Strom back in for Game 4 and sit Brock Nelson. Brock Nelson's been a disaster. There's just no other way around it. He looks lost out there. He's floating. He's not. I don't know if it's just an utter lack of confidence, but for someone with that size and skill set who scored 25 goals in the regular season, you wonder where that player is. Um, so I would, th- I would bring Strom back in, and I, I just don't understand why he's been the scapegoat uh, when there's other players who merit sitting over him. Uh, Jillian, I want to get your thoughts on the game, but also I was taken aback by, and maybe I, I shouldn't have shouldn't have been, but the crowd reaction at Barclay was louder than I ever expected. I, I mean, and I know Islander fans are passionate. And I remember games at the Nassau Coliseum where it's a, it was a very intimidating place to play, but there, I mean, the crowd seemed much more into it than either one of the other games that I watched last night. And what well, part of it I think it was nice to see, if, and if I'm a fan, I'm, I was happy to see more than just one line rolling out there. It was nice to see they got. We said it about both of those teams. They needed to get secondary scoring. They needed to get more lines producing, and both teams had that. But it was good to see it for the Islanders. And this is the first time that the fans get to see a second round playoff series since 1993. That's exciting. That's the first home game, and they 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 fall behind real quick, but then they come back, and it's a back and forth game and. And, I, I mean, I personally love that supporter sections. I think they do a great job getting the crowd into it, especially when there's a lull or there's a goal scored. It can get quiet there real quick, and that's what happens after a goal is scored. But, you know, the, the supporters group that's there does a very good job of starting simple Let's Go Islanders chants. Those, those are easy to pick up, and it's great to see the crowd reacting to it. Um, Dan, this was the, the, the game-winning goal. It was reviewed uh, wasn't this the second one that the Islanders were involved in where there was a video review on the last goal on the open? It was, but, I mean, it was reviewed by the league. It wasn't reviewed. There was no challenges. That was Wait, looked no, at by the league. I, I, I think challenges are out in overtime. I think it's That's right. Review. Like, that's right. Yeah, it was it was reviewed. I like I don't have a pro. I, uh, when I first saw the hit, I was like, wow, that looks high. Uh, I watched it again. I think the hit was okay uh, from a headshot perspective. If anything... I thought it was interference because the puck was gone, but there, I, you know, you can't expect the NHL officials to call that in in, in overtime. I mean, there was, pl- and regardless of whether they called that or not, there were plenty of calls and non-calls both sides for the entire game. Like I, I stand by that the league-wide officiating is maddeningly inconsistent. It doesn't matter what team you're watching; you can find, you can point to three or four instances every game. We're like, wait, what? Because um, there was a clear breakaway early in the game, and Shane Prince got slashed right across the hands. And I, if, if that's not a penalty shot, I don't know what is. I mean, they call it a power play. That's fine. But I think the Islanders right now, they really need Ryan Pulick back in this team. They are a different team when he is running the power play. Everybody has more space. And John Tavares' line needs to get going. They were they were not good last night. And honestly, if Kyle Oposo wants, thinks he's a $6 million forward, start playing like one because yeah, he's been invisible. It's, it's funny because uh, you look at the St. Louis series, and we'll talk about that in a minute. David Backus is a UFA, and if he's making a case for getting a, a new contract, he's doing well because he's scoring mm-hmm. and he's making making a difference. And and Opozo is not. Now, Russ, we were talking all last night during the game. I thought the Hickey hit was high, and every game now we're gonna have a hit. Mm-hmm. It just seems that this playoffs. It, 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 the hit on Hickey or the hit on Druin. The, 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 the hickey hit on Duran in, in the first period. I, I thought it was high. Well, that's what happens, though, when the league sets a precedent. I mean, I get the three-game suspension on Orpic, but it sets this precedent. It sets this tone now. Because three games is a lot in the playoffs. So now it's any... It's going to get in the regular season. Yeah, so so any any hit that happens that's close to high, everybody's watching it like a hawk. And we have social media now. We have people who sit there and make gifts of it, which actually I appreciate because I love being able to watch them again. Um, but that's what that's what happens. I think that's part of it. I think the fact that there's a three-game suspension that comes out and we can watch it over and over and over again, everyone's going to talk about it. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what my beef is. I I probably thought the same thing as Mike at the beginning, and then. You know, I watched the game, and, and then I saw the boil hit, and I was like, you know, that was simple payback. Like, you knew that was coming at some point somewhere, and it just happened to come at the end on the game-winning goal. But, you know, Jack Capuano is just they're really just playing up to the NHL, and they probably won't – you know, neither guy will, will skate today, and everybody tries to get everybody suspended. But, you know, at the end of the day, 
if if Hickey wants to make that hit and set that tone, then he's got to know his guys are going to get targeted too. Like this is, I just don't like to see this because did Hickey have to make that play to get the puck from Drouin? No way. But he, he separated from the puck. Drouin lowered his head into the play. I don't no. know how that's high. Watch the watch the play. It wasn't. It was. It was right here. It was right here. Yeah. I don't think. That, I don't think there was anything wrong with that hit. I think this is the if play. If Boyle's play is not a penalty, then Druin's play is not a penalty. I, I agree with that. I'm not saying either one is, but I'm just saying he made that hit with a purpose. There was other ways he could sure. rather than. There's that nothing play. wrong with hitting with a purpose. No, okay. no, that I'm saying, but you can't complain about it. But, then, but he's saying the coach. You're, you're saying the coach right. is kind of complaining, and that's the coach is just trying to get. The coach is trying to get a call, and he's trying to get a call for later in the series. All coaches do that. Look what Sullivan said about what Tank said. Or if you look at like like Trotz, what he did in in Washington. Right, Trotz did the same thing. Us versus them mentality. Like they don't want us to win to kind of rally around that. And if that's I think Capuano went overboard. Cooper didn't say a word. No, wait, no, no. But but Orpic and the Orpic hit. Trotz said that this is biased for the Penguins once again. How is that worse than what Cappy said? Oh, I think Cappy went way, way over. I do. Talking uh, about it, it was an emotional game. It was an overtime game. The play happened in overtime, and they talked to him five minutes after the game. I, and honestly, one thing I'll say is I'd rather have my coach be passionate. Thank There's you. nothing that would nothing that would drive me more crazy than being sitting there and thinking that like, the coach doesn't have my back. Doesn't have is not there. Is not going to stand up for me. And Cappy's been criticized for that. He's been criticized for not attacking. You know, not standing up for his players. Ironically, the the NHL Department of Player Safety has not come out with anything regarding. Yes, they have. They both have. hits are both they've not they're not looking at either hit. That okay, that's like, what, like a half hour ago. I mean, in term, I, what I was going to say was in terms of setting a hearing. So they've already cleared them. So I think yeah. it was basically let you know let let things lie. Boyle responded. You know, this is playoff hockey. That's what I want in playoff hockey. I don't want national. I don't think Boyle shots. was sending a message. I think Boyle was trying to make a play. No, he was sending a message. When does Brian Boyle ever make that play? Yeah. He never does. <laughs> Russ, you, Brian Boyle can't fight. He shouldn't be. He shouldn't be bringing a pocket knife to a gunfight. He, Russ, he's one of the worst fighters in the last ten years. That was the first time after, Brian Boyle used his size in forever. Sorry. Mike. Russ, you were saying after the game that he, that Boyle had a smirk on his face. So I, 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 he, he was I think interviewed post game and was asked about the hit. You know, he was talking about whoever it was, Hickey being on the wrong side, and he did what he had to do, and he was smirking the whole time. Like so, okay. you know, know what's up. Everybody know knows what's That's up. That's fine. But what all well, I'm he, saying he is, he can't now, have glue on his gloves, though. He can't have glue on his gloves if Matt Martin right. challenges him. He can't. No, that's. I agree. But why why would you need? Why would you need to challenge him? I don't think. I don't think you need to. to. I'm just saying. Brian Boyle is fine. one of the worst fighters I've ever seen. <laughs> he is. There's no doubt about that. But all I'm saying is, next game there will probably be fireworks, yes. and we'll see if good. the refs are ready for it because that's what that's where this series is heading. Now, that's fine. It makes for a good series. It plays into the Islanders' advantage, too. If the Lightning want to run around and try and hit us the whole game, that's fine. Right, right. but here's the argument. Do we want to go back to 70s hockey minus the fighting, which is what we're seeing, no. or do we it's want to see idea. Idea. No, I mean, idea. the other? But the league won't define it, so this is what happens. The league won't define it. And that's when, why when we're the, seeing when, problems. When yeah. the league said it's okay for Latang to slash someone in the throat, what what's, what kind of precedence are you setting? Well, I mean, Latang should still be suspended from that play. He shouldn't even be playing right now. Dan, what we're gonna we're, we're gonna have is rollerball on ice. It's gonna be a war of attrition. I would not be surprised if we keep going down this road that somebody during the during this series takes a baseball swing at the back of at, at John Tavares's Achilles. That's what, right. that's the road we're going down, though. I mean, I mean, I love. No one fights anymore. It's all these little yeah. dirty plays instead. Well, I'd rather see guys well, drop I mean, the ball. There was a fight last night in the Stars uh, Blues game, which that to me, that is how you respond to that check. That was not exactly. You knew that that was late in the game. They were losing. They they have they imploded. That was the worst case scenario for the stars and it happened. And then you have that dirty chick chick, listen to me. Dirty check <laughs> on oh. Petrangelo who is important to the blues. You respond with with some fisticuffs, I think, at that point. Well, and, and he coward. That was that was annoying. He and the, the funny thing is that to, to the to the analogy that Russ is making here you know, and I cited this last night. Nineteen, I think it was nineteen seventy six or nineteen seventy seven playoffs. Philadelphia versus Toronto. The Flyers tried to kill, literally kill, Boreas Salming. You know, Boreas Salming was a skilled defenseman, and it was guys like Paul Holmgren and Mel Bridgman who was a rookie at that time. And they went after him, and they literally tried to have him carried off the ice. Look what the Capitals leading all over. 
Look what the Capitals did to Gothispear in the first round. But also look what Shen did to... Oh, my gosh. Who was the champion? Yeah. Cross yeah, that's... Um, oh, my gosh. Oshi. Was it Oshi that he had? Was, was it Ber- yeah. I think it was Oshi. It doesn't matter. It was a horrible <laughs> right. and dirty play, and like that, he should have been embarrassed by that. And he got suspended for three games, but it won't matter until... But it would not... Yeah, not on no, that. He didn't get suspended for that play. Nothing happened on that play. Nothing happened on that play. On the Oshi, he got suspended three games for a hit. I think it was on Oshi in the last... Right on Oshi, yeah. Yeah, it was not nearly as bad as that cross-check. Okay. Yeah. Right. So there's a lot of really dirty things happening, and I do think part of it is because of the way the league is going with trying to, trying to eliminate fighting, and it's causing. It feels like nobody's being held accountable. Like you feel like you can go out there and be a punk. Yes. I'm gonna say it. Be a punk yeah. and do dirty things, and you don't have to worry about somebody, an enforcer coming out there and setting you in your place. All right. So well, now the perfect segue for that, Mike, is is tonight's. We have to talk about who may be playing for Pittsburgh and who may not be playing. Well, Okay, we'll save save that to the end because we'll we'll talk about the three games here. But in terms, of I, and I have some great stories about the two guys called up by the Penguins. Yeah, great in ter- stories. In terms of in terms of goading into fights, you know, I will go to the Nashville San Jose game because you could see there was a big scrum. I think it was in the first period where James Neal is like, yeah. You know, Bacon. James Neal goes big surprise. Joe yeah. Pavelski, why don't you pick on somebody you know your own size? You know he's trying to get obviously trying to get the Sharks' best player. Uh, in that series, it was go, it was two nothing San Jose going in. Uh, Nashville wins. Uh, good great game for their special team. Shea Weber scores. Uh, you know Pekka Rene did not look good again early in the game, um, but. You know, I think San Jose. I mean, San Jose. It's ironic. San Jose is one of the best road teams in the league. Won in LA the first two games and did not look good last night. Russ, the one thing that was interesting was Mike Ribeiro, who is one of their better power play guys. Healthy scratch. Yeah, that's the coach sending a message. That's Labby sending a message. He's done that before. We'll see if Ribeiro responds. That that was interesting. The um, the Marlowe goal was interesting in the sense that he's. <laughs> He's a guy that is going to be out there, and somebody's looking at him saying, look at this 36-year-old speed. Like, that's, you know, that that was a pretty uh, amazing play. But I didn't like the way Rene made that play either. It looked like he, he was so far out of position that he had to go all or nothing on that. And that's where I still think he's not quite right. But, look, they won that game. They Nashville played really well. They did. And their defense played really well. This is going to be that series. Like I told you. Impossible to call because it won't shock me now if both teams lose their home games and then it's even. Like it just wouldn't even shock me. Yeah, this is the, the the Predators seem to whenever their backs are against the wall. Like if you lose that game, you go down 0-3. It it's grim. When their backs are against the wall, it's like they actually not that they don't play in the other games, but it's just they 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 never say die. It's like that team that you just you can never you can never give up on because they're always looking to come back. But Dan, this series is a, is an imp- impossible series to predict because this the, these teams both have a history of not being dependable when it comes to the right. So it's it's impossible to oh San Jose like I was saying San Jose is going to roll over them now if they split and, and yeah but they've never rolled over anybody they've always found a way to lose so how can you really accurately ju- you know d- determine where this series is going to go I mean it's very likely that Nashville wins Game Four and it goes back to San Jose two two and then you don't know where the hell it's going. No, I think there's a. I think the Preds when when this year when pushed they've pushed back and that was like you know I said when they uh, when they beat the Ducks uh, to force the game seven that was a a character defining moment for a franchise that hasn't done that a lot and once again last night uh, they fed off that crowd that crowd was loud that crowd was into it uh, it's yep. really I mean is, is there is there a better there's not many better sports markets right now than, than hockey in Nashville. It's just a great place to play. It's, we all saw it with the All-Star game. But that 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 team really feeds off that building, and that building was loud. They took advantage of it. Rene wasn't great, but he didn't have to be last night. I think the uh, when the Preds were at home, too, they get some more favorable matchups. Uh, they can really pick and choose who they want Weber and Yossi going against. And, look, you get Weber wide alone. Uh, good thing Weber's slap shot hit the back of the net and not Martin Jones, or we'd be yeah. right in the like There was a picture where it was oh like Jones got out of the way. Like Not even Jones wants to be <laughs> blocking yeah. that shot. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I thought, like, I thought Ryan Ellis stepped up really well, too. He had a couple of – set up a couple of great scoring He's chances. He's such an underrated player. He is. I mean, that. so that's a, that's a plus for, for them. For, the, you know, for San Jose, the plus was Marlowe sort of woke up because we haven't really seen a lot out of Patrick Marlowe. So 
it's this is again this series. I, I did hate the James Neal thing simply because when James Why are you Neal surprised to look at him? When he's not scoring, that's what he resorts to. He has a little Matt he Cook had a nice in him, but he well. scored. So he had a no, nice. He did, but I'm saying he's not scoring a lot. In this okay, series. I was like, he did score. Yeah, that's no, it. But yes, I agree. This series, I mean, I, I, I mean, I still think the Sharks are coming out, but. It's. It, I think there's going to be more of I, a more interesting series. I, I didn't think that the the Preds were going to put up a fight like they did last night. Honestly, so it was nice to see that. James Neal has the talent level of a a, a good power forward or a good scoring winger and the mentality of a rat. He always has. He has in Pittsburgh, and mm-hmm. and he and he has in Nashville. And if he's not contributing on the scoreboard, he's gonna do that kind of stuff. Yeah. Which I I don't th- you know sometimes it motivates your team. Sometimes I think it's a detriment to your team. So I mean we'll yeah. see where that series is going. But uh, I think mean, that you can say Nashville's back in it. And you know San Jose really has to put the pedal to the metal to go up three one and go back to San Jose to to close out the yeah. series. Uh, game three of the St. Louis Dallas series, a complete blowout by the Blues. And again, the goaltending and the defense of the Dallas Stars. This is the reason why I picked against them. You know, Anti Niemi. You know, I, I Do you think Niemi should have gotten the start there? Do you think yeah, that was the, like? Well, what, see, the the, pro, the problem is Julian is that Lettinen was terrible in Game Two in the first two in the first period. They had to go to Niemi, and Niemi got them to overtime. So they figure, okay, well, let's see if he can he can carry it forth, and he allows three goals, and they yank him. It's it's. I mean, I, I said to Russ, it says when you have two goaltenders, you have none. And that is that none. is completely accurate. That is, I mean, I yes. Yeah, it is. It's like it's like two starting quarterbacks. It it just doesn't work. It's like well, I it's actually mess with your mind, right? That's gotta mess with you a little bit. Like whether you, I know you're a professional, but that's gotta be in the back of your mind somewhere. Yeah, we were watching the games last night, and someone said to me, they said uh, Dallas has two goalies, right? I go, yeah. He goes, which one's the good one? I'm like, I'm not sure. And <laughs> it, 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 they're not they're not bad goalies. They're not bad goalies. They're both like B. B-level goalies. The problem is you need more than that to win a cup. And, and, also, play, and you would think they may be spending the most money on goaltending of any team in the NHL. Ten and a half yeah. million dollars per season on Niemi and Lettinen, and neither one can get out of the game without being pulled. And that's what I would do. What I would do long term, if you're going to play that style. You need a goalie that can stand on it on its head. On his head. Yeah. You just do. So I think you have to in the off season. You have to address that. Try and get rid of both of them and trade for a guy like Frederick Anderson. You oh. need you need definition in goal. Well, you good, need I mean, good luck definition. Trying get, good luck trying to get rid of either one of them. I mean, the, I know. You know, I, I what does Lathan have left on his deal? I think he has another year. I think they both. I think I think they both have another year. So, but but Russ, I mean, I mean St. Louis, you know. I mean, Dallas came back in game two, had a chance in overtime. Antoine Roussel takes two penalties, gives gives St. Louis the opportunity on the power play. They win it. Last night, there was absolutely no doubt who the better team was. They were walking around the Dallas defense. The crowd Especially was Especially after Dallas scores first, and then they give up that goal right away. You were like, you know, we were on the phone, and I was like, uh-oh, this is, this is a problem because already there's a breakdown. You know, it wouldn't be that crazy if, they use Jack Campbell in this next game so they could actually get their defense to concentrate on playing defense because now now we're putting in the young goalie and you better do that otherwise you know the score could be eight to one. I mean Campbell Campbell's won some big games in his life. He's won an AHL championship. Oh good lord! For one game just to throw another team off. They don't have a scouting report on him. You might try it. I think Dan has some breaking news of some sort. No, I just looked at their contracts. Oh, my goodness. They each have two, they each have two years left after this season. Yeah, Niemi's at 4-5, and Lathan is at 5-9. Yep. Oh, my. It's hideous. That's horrible. And, and, that's, and neither of them can really win them a game, and that's what you need. What you need in the playoffs, you need goalies who can and, win you a and game. The thing is, they they played well during the regular season. There's no doubting that. But the thing is, you knew they were backed by a Dallas team that had the high, highest powered offense in the league. Sagan is out. I know that Ruff is stressing them to play defense. That's why he's justifying sitting out a guy like Nakushkin, 20-year-old kid who he says is defensively deficient. But you know what? Honestly, I think you need to be able to score as many goals as you can with the defense that they have. It's not even scoring. It's a big guy with speed 
who yeah. they have to respect when he's playing. When you don't have that guy playing, that opens up more room on the ice. Yeah, right. And so you look, you're not playing the bottom feeders of the Pacific Division right now. There's no, there's nowhere to hide. Yeah, right. and, and yeah. also, I think also St. Louis is sort of winning the psychological game here. I mean, Brian Elliott's not right. the world on fire here, so they, no. they're not out of this series, but, uh, you know, there's an opportunity here. But when you have Ryan Reeves, the the uh, the, the Blues uh, um, enforcer, fighting Curtis McKenzie, and then blowing kisses to the Dallas Stars' yeah. bench... Yeah, but you have to be careful that you don't you don't get too in over your head with that because it is just one game. Yes, it was a commanding game. They they controlled it. They look like if if I was not a fan of the game, like Tony Tony X was there seeing it for the first time. Um, but if I'm not if I don't know what's going on, I'm like, well, obviously St. Louis is winning, but we all know that that's just one game and it's a brand new game the next time. And who knows who knows what what goalie shows up because Elliot can can sometimes let up some weak ones, too, so you don't know what's going to happen, but if the Blues offense does keep producing that way, it does look a little scary for Dallas. I have to, I have to point this out, Russ, because I thought it was pretty funny. Uh, end of the, near the end of the first period, it was 2-1 St. Louis, and Elliott makes a great right pad save, and I can't remember, I think it was, I think it was Klingberg, it was really close in, and hits the crossbar, and everybody saw that it hit the crossbar, and the referee pointed goal. And if it wasn't for re, I mean, if it wasn't for replay, I mean that that would have been like a a conspiracy of conspiracies because I mean you heard the clink yeah. and he went goal. There are some bad things. There's some bad things happening with that. I mean, the Reeves thing is something right again out of the 70s. He's not the first guy to ever do that. It's just that we're not used to seeing that anymore, especially in the playoffs. So now all of a sudden that sort of crept back into the game, which is fine. Fans like it. It's okay. Yeah. It's, but, it's the Ty Domi doing the speed bag thing in New yeah. York. Yeah, but at the end of the day, like I said, I mean, if, if I'm the coach, and, and look, Lindy's tough on goalies, so he's not going to put Jack Campbell in, but if I'm the coach, the only way I could get into the, the head of my two goalies that I'm not happy with your play is by playing Campbell. And yeah, then maybe right. you'd fire one of them up because neither of them are fired up enough to play a good game. Yeah, Russ, Jocelyn Tebow is still waiting to play as a backup in Buffalo. He played Ryan Miller for three straight months. Yeah. Um, okay, let, 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 let's talk about the game tonight because it's a critical game in the series that everybody's watching. Pittsburgh-Washington, game four. Oli Mata is out, obviously, after taking the hit from Brooks Orpik. Latang is out for the one-game suspension for the hit on Marcus Johansson. Uh, Eric Fair is a game-time decision, and apparently Marcus Johansson will play. So uh, yeah. Barry Trotz successfully uh, you know, used his little chicanery and yeah. and got and got the, the the league to kick in on Latang for the game suspension. Russ, I think if Washington doesn't win this game, they're over with. Yeah, but I think they I think they're they're going to win it. I mean, Matt Rust is the other player that's iffy for Pittsburgh. Him and Fair are both game time decisions is what they said. And so here's the thing. So so they've called up Tom Sestito. Tom Sestito <laughs> From the Winter Classic, had that nice mic'd-up conversation on the bench when he was a Ranger with Braden Shen as a Flyer. We all know about that one. We know all, all about his stuff. He's played one game in the history of his life in the NHL playoffs. And that, Elaine Vigneault was the coach then, too, which is kind of funny. So I think the only reason Mike Sullivan is bringing up Sestito is so he could stand at center ice and shine up his stick and yell at everybody on the Caps and see if he can get something going in the pregame warm-ups like they used to do in the 70s. I think at the end of the day, one of those two guys, Fear or Rust, will play, and Alexi will play, and they'll go with seven defensemen. And that's and, and I, Sestito is like smoke and mirrors, and Mike Sullivan's going back to, you know, like slap shot here. Uh, Dan, I was waiting for Zach Sill to be called up for this game. Well, it's funny because I actually know Steve when he was when he was a Sound Tiger. Uh, we we, uh, we became friendly, and he's a uh, Alexi, he's a, a um, sexy Alexi as they call him. But uh, he's no he's no choir boy either. 
Um, he he is quite. I, I'm actually really happy for him because he's he's a super super guy. Um, so it's it's great that he's getting called up. But uh, Tom Sacito, man, you want to see some story? Like I saw him play so much against the Sound Tigers, and Trevor Gillies called him. What did he tell me? Trevor Gillies, who also not a choir boy, called called him a um a punching bag with a mustache. Um, <laughs> the some of the fight, like the funny thing is, Tom Sacito is such a willing combatant. I don't know if I've ever seen him win a fight. That's the funny thing. I've seen him win a few. I have. Yeah, I just seen him have his. Well, you know, the, the Sound Tigers had some really some felons on those teams, so um, you know maybe that's why Michael Haley and Gallant and Trevor Gillies they could they could definitely bring it. But Ross, um, you know, it's not you know he's not bringing much to the table. If you're playing him, it's for one reason and one reason only. If Sestito want to fight, oh, here's him. a picture. It, it must have been one. Here we go. If you can read that, that is uh, Sacito getting his face punched in by Trevor Gillies, and Trevor wrote, "Come get some Tommy, Trevor Gillies." That's one of my favorite. That's one of the favorite pictures I have autographed. Uh, Russ, Come get Tom, some Tommy. If Tom Sacito won a fight, it must have been when PJ Stock was in the league. Uh, but, but think about it. If Mike Sullivan puts him in a game. That's just dumb. Like, now you're just shortening your bench later in the game, and literally, if you're putting him in and he's going to try and start a fight, I don't even think Washington's going to fight with him. I don't even think Wilson will fight with him. That's the point. So I really think this is just pregame sh- chicanery, yeah. and Sullivan seems to be – if you look at what Sullivan does, a lot of what he does as a coach now is very Tortorella-oriented. It really is. Mm. Um, I mean – I think that right now what what has to happen is that the big guys on the Capitals really have to come to the forefront because Netsoff has not had a good playoff. No. Johansson actually has been one of their better scorers. I mean, and he you know he yeah. only had I think 17 goals this year, and you know he stepped up in the playoffs. But Backstrom has been okay, but it seems that he's getting more secondary offense when it comes to Ovechkin scoring. Last because- time I questioned Backstrom, he came back and won a game, right? I mean, that's probably what'll happen again. Right, but but uh, they need their big guys. You know, I mean, Oshie came through in game one with the hat trick. They need their big guys to come up big. Uh, I think then, if the Capitals can't win without with Latang not being there, I mean, that's a huge blow to the Pens. He he's been he's put up big numbers for the for the Pens. So if they like, I, I kind of am with you on this, Mike. If the Caps just can't win tonight, I mean, the series obviously isn't over, but I think. You, they have to be a little bit deflated. Yeah. Well, and I think Washington, what they also have to do is step up their physical game if they can, if, if possible. I mean, yeah. and I know they're they're trying to be physical, and I think they led in hits in Game Three, but I think they have to hit the right guys. You don't you don't hit the Rusts and the Kunakles. You hit Crosby, you hit Malkin, you hit Kessel if you can catch him. Phil Kessel doesn't like to be hit. <laughs> Alex Ovechkin doesn't. No, he does not. You don't you don't want to hit Malkin because if you don't take him out of the game, he'll kill you. He'll start to score. He will. Yeah, I don't know because the Islanders get on their Malkin skin, and they've done a good job against him. Like in the playoffs, I've seen him destroy teams, and all of a sudden he's in a funk, and you wake him up. Yeah, but he's not exactly in a funk right now. I mean, I know he's not. No, it's not. I think with the Capitals is like the the hit this when the hit disparage. You know, when there's such a big difference in hits, it's one thing to finish your check and the puck's already gone. You got you got to put your body on someone when they have the puck. You have to try and separate them from the puck because when you have so many more hits than the opposition, it means you don't have the puck and you're chasing it for the whole game. Yeah. yeah. I mean, go ahead. I'm sorry, Julian. No, go ahead. Okay. Um. All right. Well, I mean, to me, this is. The key game of the series, and uh, you know, Matt Murray is going to get the start. I mean, Russ, I don't think Flurry is going to get in the series. I mean, unless Murray has a really bad game, Murray'd have to give up like four unanswered goals or something, and then they might bring him in. Okay, a um, couple notes here. Um, we had a discussion last night, Russ, and uh, yesterday, excuse me, uh, on the on the webcast yesterday about uh, the coaching situations in the league. Uh, Renault Lavoie from TBA Sports is pretty good in terms of information, says that uh, Randy Carlisle will be among the uh, coaches getting an interview in Calgary. That To me, that's a no-brainer. I, I maybe, maybe not Mark Crawford because somebody pointed out um, Bob Hartley came 
uh, from Switzerland to Calgary, and so Crawford is coming from Switzerland. Not to say that they're the same type of coach, but I think they want to avoid that. Where Carlisle, you know, I think he was, I think he was unfairly maligned for the situation in Toronto, and I think he's a much better coach. You know, that team was a team of derelicts, and I think it, he really suffered <laughs> because of that. So, um, you know, I, I, ho- I really hope Randy Carlisle gets another chance because I think he's an excellent coach. I don't think he's the right fit there. I really he, think he they need not. a young coach. He may not I, be. I, Randy Carlisle is going to go there, right? And he's going to stress defensive play, and yep, he's yep. got mainly offensive defensemen there. How is that going to work out? Yeah, he stressed defensive I think, play. I think you've got to look at, at the evolution of the game, and I don't know if you want to keep bringing in guys who have just been recycled. I, You know, I give credit to the Flyers for finding a good young coach who, who you know, from from the college ranks. It's like, look in the AHL. There are uh, John Cooper, you know, um, gee, who's coaching the uh, – Well, we brought up Travis Shark? Green. We brought up Luke Richardson. There's guys sure. that, are, that are certainly – let's, let's see some new voices. Let's see some new faces. Yeah, but there's no guarantee that the new voices and the new faces are going to have any more positive effect. I mean, you know, Willie Desjardins had a great first year in Vancouver. This year, most of the Vancouver fan base wanted him fired because they look at that roster. It has nothing to do with Willie. Yeah, it's not. It has nothing to do with him. I I agree, but the thing is, it's like I mean, you're talking. You know, you're saying a new voice, a new person. I mean. Dallas Aikens was a new person in Edmonton, and he didn't have any. And then again, that team is a team that needs to be blown apart. I mean, well, it has I to be the right fit. Like a team like that, they like a team like that with a bunch of eighteen-year-olds that's never won anything. They need in that situation, you need structure. You need a guy like you know that's been around the block. For for other situations, you have to look at all right, what do I have right now? And the Flames have some good young players, some good young creative offensive defensemen. You need someone who's going to harness that and not try and neuter them. And I don't I think mean, there's also for for Calgary. I, I was reading today what Brian Burke said. He wants his team to be like a, a black and blue type of team. You know, he oh, wants yeah. it to be. You better change the roster then. Brian <laughs> I was like, uh, I was like, this is a surprise. Isn't that the same thing he pulled? Was it in Toronto? Yeah, no, wait, same? Wait, wait, wait. But he's not the GM. He's just sort of the spokesman. Yeah. Right, right, right. But see, the, the, see, he is speaking on behalf, though. You could, he wouldn't be saying that without getting the okay. I don't know about that. Until Bradshaw Living signs whoever he's signing, I think he just, I think he can't control Brian Burke. Nobody can, and that's fine. <laughs> I love the guy. No, no, I love the guy. But I'm just saying, at the end of the day, he fills headlines. It still doesn't yeah. mean that's what's going to happen. Oh no, I'm not power, saying it's power gonna forward. Happen. Power forward, Johnny Gaudreau. Yeah. To, he'll trade him for Tyler Biggs. Uh, yeah. Joe Malone or, or one of those guys. 2008, Brian Burke, Pugnacity, Testosterone, and Truculence. And he did none of it in Toronto. He went out and he got Tim Connolly and Phil Kessel and Jake Gardner. Oh, he got Joe Cologne. He did. From the, from the Bruins. He's big. You got Cole Moore. Great. Cole Oh, great. Cole and Fraser McLaren, and then he got a yeah. bunch of guys who, you know, are, are gnats that flew around. I mean, you know, that's it's yeah. so I mean, it's nice to talk that way, but you've got one of the one of the best young cores in the NHL with Monahan and Goudreau and Bennett and a good defense with Hamilton and Brody and Giordano. And I mean I, I that I Give if you give Randy Carlisle that core, I think he could he could get them to a better place if they have if they get a goaltender. If they don't get a goaltender, they're not winning one way or the other. Well, I mean so. they're gonna get a goalie. Everybody's talking about it, but I just again, Carlisle could be a better fit for some other teams. I don't like it for that team. And again, I don't see how this is so easy for Bruce Boudreau to go from one job to another. It's just crazy. I think at some point teams have to look at this and say. Bruce, we're gonna get we're gonna call a timeout for you. You need a timeout because you need to look at how you call these games and how you're coaching these games. And if you're even evolu- getting, you know, is the is there an evolution of Bruce Boudreau? I don't think so. Yeah, He's but, the same guy. But Bruce Boudreau, and this, and we talked about this, uh, Ross. Bruce Boudreau, he's the nice coach. He's the player friendly coach. He's the guy you bring in after the taskmaster. Carlisle was the taskmaster in Anaheim. 
Boudreaux is fired in Washington. They fired Carlisle to make room for Boudreaux. Now you got a guy like Mike Yo, uh, who was a taskmaster in Minnesota. That's you, know, you bring you bring in Boudreaux as the as the nice guy, as the player friendly guy. I mean, it's I mean, maybe there are better coaches out there, but there are not many of those player friendly guys. And that's what I think his role is. So that's where I think it's going. I think he's going to get a job. I don't know which. But it's which ridiculous because here's the thing. At the end of the day, so you bring in the nice guy, and then when you fall short, then three, four years from now, you're like, hey, Bruce, I got to fire you. And he's like, yeah, I know. He, he pretty much knows the drill, and then he goes and gets another job. It's like, yeah. you know, it's a little crazy. Uh, to close out the show, I, it, this played out on Twitter yesterday. It was pretty demoralizing in a way. Uh, Eric Erlinson, who is the uh, reporter for the Tampa Tribune, Oh yeah, um, covering covering the New York Islanders Tampa series in in Brooklyn. Apparently, the Tampa Tribune was purchased or merged with another. Uh, oh, hey, it's part of, it's part of the USA Today Gannett uh, Tribune company, and the Tribune got folded, folded in the middle, like, and they oh apparently God. closed his corporate phone account, so he uh, he loses all his contacts, and he's left rudderless. In Brooklyn, I don't know if he got his credentials yanked because there's no, you know, he wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't with the paper anymore. But I know that he posted on Twitter anybody hiring, and he was heading from Brooklyn back to Tampa before the game. So it was just sort of like a really oddly timed and badly handled. I mean, I understand the corporate world uh, and and the fact that you know businesses get folded up, but you know when you got reporters in the field. You shouldn't do that. You should shouldn't be a little somebody more. have at least told him, like, like, hey, I know you're not here, but this is going to happen? Yeah. They could have called him. They had his phone. Like what was that? They have his phone. They could have yeah, called Yeah, I mean, not even – forget calling. Send a text at least. My God. Like, I mean, I will say this. John Cooper did something very nice, and he endorsed yes. him on Twitter saying somebody should hire him, and that was a real classy thing to do. But at the end of the day, this is a horrible thing to happen. I get business is business. I get cutthroat is cutthroat. But you know what? You're still dealing with human beings. And when you do have someone out in the field, that's really bad. You're really exposed out there. And and it's not a cool thing to have happen. It really isn't. I, I was I felt very bad. Yeah. What's nice, though, is that, that somebody did come up and endorse him, too, because – yeah, that also just makes the, uh, makes the tri- what did you say it was like the Tampa Bay Tribune. It, I mean, it just shows that it. I don't want to say there was a reason for it happening, but like if that's how they treat people, like you can't even have a little bit of decency like that. Like that's. It was all it was all dollars and cents. It was a corporate merger, and they and they yeah. just they just shut the paper down. Yeah, if you have people out on the field, I, I like you said, Russ, business is business, but you have people running that are bringing in the money for you and. Without the people, it goes away. So you do have to care about them. Whether or not you like to do it, you still have to care about them a little bit. I, mean, I would think, and this is this is just me. I've never been in that situation. I've been in a situation where I was working for a company and they folded, and everybody gets their you know their money and they leave. But in this situation, when a guy's out in the field, like did they cancel his you know his flight? Do they cancel his rental car? Like those are things where I think there should be a law where if, like look, you're out in the field. You should be able to be able to get back home and not have to do anything on your own dime because this isn't his fault. Yeah. And I think that's what's really bad because as a reporter, you're assuming these things are all okay, and then it could all break down overnight like that. It's horrible. Imagine if the Tampa Tribune had a reporter in Afghanistan and right. said, okay, you're done. Uh, I was just going to say, did he have to pay for his own flight back, or do we not know? know? I don't know. I don't know for sure. but I, I would, would imagine, know. honestly, that he had to find a way. I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah, unless unless he had a round trip flight that was already. Right. I think was he had he may have had a, a round trip ticket for following Game Four, but not, since he wasn't working and couldn't go to the game, right. you know, he he was heading back and looking for an earlier flight. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's and it, 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 honestly, it's a statement. I mean, it shows how you know the, the hockey world, the hockey writing world, it's a very small. Uh, Circle and a lot of a lot of reporters like Arthur Staple, uh, who, uh, who who in New York and Bob McKenzie I know expressed something on Twitter. You know, a lot of people came to the defense or or you know tried to get Eric's name out there. And I really hope he does get an, an, another job. Um, but it's it's just it's everybody feels for somebody like that because it could happen to them down the line. And the changing 
landscape of media right now. I mean, Russ and I talked about it yesterday. Newspapers had an opportunity years and years ago. To they did. In the door in terms of internet, and they got beat to the punch by entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurial spirit of, of people starting websites, and now they've been playing catch-up for over a decade, and they're losing. And Cities are going to one newspaper now when they had two or three before. They had a 10-year window, and what they would do was they would put B content, C content online, and basically try and still sell you a subscription to the paper while you were online. And there was a person like me who started a website 16 years ago that hadn't had a newspaper subscription for 10 years before that because I just got tired of it. Not everybody wants to read the paper anymore. I get that if you're on the subway or whatever, it's a good thing to do. So I think there'll always be some sort of papers around. But at the end of the day, they really they should have put their best content up there. They should have figured out how to monetize it. They had enough money to do it, but they cared about more about their subscriptions and everything else. And once people, you know, started dying off and once the younger generation, tell me how many people under thirty even read a newspaper. It's probably zero. They um, want to read. The, they want to read the news know. on their phone. I'm not under thirty, but I don't read it. I'm yeah. under thirty. I don't read it. So, <laughs> and I don't know anybody that actually reads a newspaper. Right. Well, I, you know, look, you you have to look at business decisions in this time, and 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 I I I feel bad for them, but I mean, if you're working in a newspaper right now, you have to walk around with your resume. You have to. You have to know that this could happen at any minute. I mean, look, I got laid off from a company making nine billion dollars a year. Okay, nine billion dollars a year making. Okay, they weren't losing money, and they're still trimming. They're still trimming, you know, every year laying people off. It's, you know, this this industry is very difficult right now. I know a lot of good people that just lost their jobs at other companies, you know, big time companies like scaling down because they're paying so much for the sports they can't afford to pay their employees. It's and that's more important than than actually paying their employees is having the rights to some of these sports. So look, I, I get it and I see it, and you have to. You have to be versatile, and you have to, you know, be ready that this is going to happen to you. Um, but with that being said, it's like you also have you have to be progressive. And the companies that are doing well are the companies that could look ahead. Like Blockbuster, Blockbuster Video had the chance to buy Netflix for one million dollars, and they laughed at Netflix. And now look at that now. Okay, uh, Borders laughed at Barnes and Noble for making the, the Nook. And now look yep. at border. You know, yep. you have to stay ahead of the time, and you have to push that. If you're going to be a part of it, you have to push the technology. And the papers and the the places that are doing well well right now are the ones that are ahead with the online and streaming content. And you know why? Like you said, you have to push it. You have to be the one that pushes it because if you don't, I think was it Mike or Russ said the entrepreneurial spirit it get takes over. And with today's technology you don't need to have a big business behind you. You can start something literally from nothing. Every A lot of these things, they start with zero viewers, zero subscribers, zero likes, whatever you want to say, and they start, and they just do it, and they do it with, with fear. They're fearless about it, and that's what like should be. Like this show. <laughs> yeah. no, so no, what no. are we at now, guys? Uh... <laughs> no, but, like, look, you have to look ahead, and you have to be progressive. Look at, look at uh, Major League Baseball. Okay, they created something. Bam! Baseball advanced media, uh, where uh, they created a technology that's unique and better than anything in the field. And now they they have so they have their foot not just in MLB, they have their foot in the NHL, the PGA Network, the WWE, and there's some other rumors that there's going to be some other big news coming with them real quick. So just think of all the money that baseball makes, and then just think of something they created completely different that's uh, that's already. I don't think it's big news, Dan. They're pushing golf like crazy, so obviously they're doing something with golf. No, no, there's something big. There's something bigger okay. down the road that might even happen. Um, let's, put this, let's put let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. There is a mouse that's interested in Bam. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll also say I'll also say this. Back in 2000, when I did start a website, for the first couple of years, I used to get more hits than MLB.com for my baseball yep. part of my website yeah. and for NHL.com. And that happened for a couple of years, and then all of a sudden they dumped a lot of money into their web and into their technology, and now I couldn't even get close to them if I ever tried because I don't have those kinds of resources. But it just shows you I saw that happening, and it can happen, and the papers didn't do that. Well, uh, and one final thing here. That company that uh, made $9 billion, um, checking out their website on Monday night uh, during the Pittsburgh-Washington game. And check, you know, I, I was checking the checking the box scores for baseball and looked at the top of the page, and the Penguins game was at the end of two periods. 
their scoreboard was after one. Obviously, wow. so they cut a lot of people out of their updates for their scoreboards because now they have been behind. Uh, that that company has been behind um, with online streaming for years now, despite people, including myself, saying, "Look, this is the future. You, you got to spend money here. You can't treat it like a you know like a second grade citizen. This is the you know you cannot. You have to know how people and understand how people are viewing your content. And it's not sitting down to watch the 6 o'clock news anymore. It's when they're on their phone. It's when they're traveling. You have to understand what your market is. And look, you know, every time that you see something like that, I just say, hey, have fun watching the World Cup this summer. I have a question for you guys then. What do you think, you know, the NFL has Twitter now. They've come, was it Twitter they came to terms with for streaming rights? Um, and honestly, with me traveling a lot recently, I was watching a lot of these games on my phone, um, and it was t- it was tough at times. Um, but I was still surprised that the NHL had that kind of capability that I could stream most of it. Um, do you think the NHL needs to be better with streaming? And what, do you kind of hope to see something like some type of streaming partnership with some type of social media? I mean, I'll, I'll, Dan, go first because you're in the business. Then I'll tell you what I think. I think the NHL does an outstanding job with its streaming content. It's significantly better than it was five years ago. Uh, now the fact that baseball, uh, that BAM, Baseball Advanced Media, is running it, I think it's only going to get better, and I already know that it's going to have a complete new um, feel and look for October of this year. Uh, I, ju- I think they do an outstanding job. I actually wish that the online content was as good as the actual coverage that you see on the networks. Uh, throughout you know throughout throughout the country, I yeah. wish NBC was as good as the online content that the NHL provides. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you this: I, I I only have a Samsung Five, right, Galaxy Five, and I've been able to watch unbelievable, great, perfect online streaming from MLB and the NHL. So that's been yeah. great. No complaints here. I think the NFL with Twitter is going to be horrible though, because the, when they when they had the game from England last year. A lot of people complained about latency and other problems trying to watch that game. I think trying to watch an entire football game on Twitter is going to be hard. I don't think I don't think that's going to go off very easy. I don't. Yeah, I I, I agree, but uh, we'll we'll see. Uh, I'm sure the NFL will try to work it out like they've worked out the uh, the, the Deflate Gate with Tom Brady. Uh, <laughs> Do for, just as great of a job. Yeah, there you go. Uh, for Jillian Fisher, for Dan Petru, for Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Agello. Remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.